the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Getting on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. Hello! Welcome to the Buff Podcast. My name's Mark Hiles, I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the Bolton Wanderers show that puts the odd in podcast and the in. Oh look, we've got Middlesbrough in the second round of the Carabao Cup. On the pod this week, are you all white? Fans get hot under the collar about kit design. Clocking off, are we in the era of 100-minute football? The Iceman cometh, Bod Varson and he's on his way back. Ugh. And who is the best-looking Bolton Wanderers player ever? We ask ChatGBT for its clues. All of that on the show that's still waiting for the bus. It's time for my weekly reminder that a subscription to the Bolton News is just £6 for six months with our new special offer. A whole year is just 31 quid at the moment. Uh, We've had some great feedback from fans on the difference it makes on the website, how easy the app is to use, not to mention all the exclusive Wanderers features you get up uh, as well, all the podcasts, all the audio, all the video, all the all the features and the articles. You get unlimited articles, of course. So go to thebaltonews.co.uk backslash subscribe, see what you're missing out on. And before we start the podcast proper, a quick reminder that the Buff Fantasy Football League is back. All the details on how to join the league are in the write-up for this podcast, wherever you are listening to it. But also, if you need to know the league code and you want to go to the website yourself, you need to enter the code small t zero one small h seven nine. It's called the Buff Invitational. Good luck, and I hope you beat Henry. Okay, it's time to introduce a man who needs absolutely no introduction to listeners of the Buff, so we're not going to give him one. Oh, thanks. <laughs> All right, Emery, how are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, you know, whenever you start the podcast, because as people know, like you talk for a while, so I'm normally just, I don't know, looking at my phone or just uh, looking at the, the little notes I've made or, and what you've sent me. But no, and then I, I just wait for it's Henry Hewitt, and I'm like, right, hello. That, that kind of threw me a little bit, but um, yeah, coming in loud and clear, Mark, which uh, a lot of people pointed out last week. So thanks for noticing. I am using a, a microphone, which mm. uh, I'll be honest, I'm a bit, I'm a bit embarrassed by because, as many of you know, I do work in podcasting, and uh, for some reason, I've just, I think it's because because we're not on video to each other. Mm. I thought, oh, I can just do this sat on the couch or whatever. Now I'm like, oh, no, I actually, I should have used my microphone for all these years. So, uh, yeah, apologies for that. Well, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's you've got to use the tools that uh, the Bolton News supply us. And I, I, for quite a couple of years, have, have thought that tin can method that we were using last time was, <laughs> was a good one. And I didn't know any better, really. But it turns out two tins of uh, Heinz soup, uh, sewn together with the string between Lee and Swinton isn't exactly the best way of recording a podcast. No, it's not. And during the COVID days, it was a bit ropey. We, we probably got away with something. We shouldn't have gone there, but because um, <laughs> you know all, all the all the germs going down the uh, the string. But um, no, <laughs> coming in loud and clear uh, for the new season. I thought, well, we'll save it for this. If this is going to be a promotion season, then I better be sounding uh, sounding good. Yeah, if we're going up, we're going to be sounding good. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, 100%. Uh, that's all I've got to say about uh, the start Bolton have made of this season. I mean, let's uh, let's start off on a positive. Uh, two games, two wins, one in the league, one in the cup, and probably the easiest opening game I can remember ever covering Bolton Wanderers. Uh, it was a bit of a doddle in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, I've. Uh, it was against the norm, wasn't it? I was trying to think maybe QPR away was... Azizia, um, Stoke at home, 3-1. But other than that, no, they have been quite tight. But uh, yeah, this was... Uh, it was an odd game, wasn't it? Because I don't necessarily think Bolton created much, yet we've gone away 3-0 winners. Yeah, I, I can set-piece Kings now. That's that's the thing. It's boring, boring Bolton again, isn't it? You only ever score from set-pieces. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the old big Sam Day's coming back. It's... I, I, obviously, I'm, I'm saying that in jest. It's great to see they've got a different string to the bow. Two goals. I mean, the the idea of scoring early doors, I think that could catch on because that just 
they turned the entire game into a much more relaxed affair, I think. Yeah, me too. Um, and what was nice to see as well was that when they scored the first goal, when Idale scored, they, they celebrated and then they were all kind of like, come on, let's get back to, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and restart the game. Apart, part of me at the time, well, all, at the time I did think, I thought, brilliant, they want to crack on, get another goal. And then I thought, oh, yeah, it's just because they didn't want to have 10 minutes of stoppage time. Wasn't <laughs> which we got but, uh... anyway, which we got anyway. We'll talk <laughs> about that in a bit because there are yeah. some alarming statistics on that. But I think the idea that they're scoring from set pieces and let's hold our hands up because on this podcast, even we've been critical of of the lack of goals Bolton got at, at maybe first 18 months of Ian Everts tenure. You know, some of the ideas there weren't weren't particularly working at all. And now it seems like they're defending set pieces well, they're attacking set pieces well. Um, and Ian Everts, of course, revealed that there's a, a financial incentive effectively for the players. Every time they score one, he has to put a bit into their, you know, party kitty for Christmas or the end of the season. Every time they concede one, it goes into the staff and backroom staff's uh, kitty. Maybe for their Christmas party, I'm not sure. Maybe it's to get a, a new sofa for the office. Maybe. Which they need. Maybe. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll take your word for that, Mark. But... Um... Yeah, it, it could be. I mean, it's, it is an incentive. I remember when, uh, uh, was it the first Premier League season under Big Sam when they had the, if, if they win by four, then uh, was it was it goat's testicles or sheep's testicles? Yeah, sheep's testicles, yeah, yeah, sheep yeah. testicles, yeah, yeah. In the days before I'm a slave. So again, Big Sam, innovator. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and yeah, and obviously if the team lost by four, then the, the team had to eat it. So I'm glad that it's, it's not down those uh lines but um especially if there's any vegan players that may get uh complicated with them uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't like to be the person making uh imitation sheep testicles <laughs> like gluing broad beans together or something like <laughs> yeah uh yeah. yeah so uh no it's all good and um I, yeah i think uh I, I it's good to see that that has been something because i think Sometimes as fans, we, we don't see the bigger picture or we don't, we see what we see on the pitch and we've got one way of looking at it and the, you know, Ian Everett has come out before and said that, no, I can understand why the fans think like that, but this is why we do this. But I think we all could tell that there was an issue with set pieces. There's been an issue for a while. I remember um, Ian Everett saying in the League Two days that why practice set pieces and that was a bit controversial. Mm. So I'm glad that it's it's being addressed and with, um, you know, we have scored... Yeah, we've scored three now, including the free kick against Barrow. Absolutely, absolutely. And that was Zach Ashworth's first senior goal, bless him. And do you know what, he came up afterwards and spoke to the press uh, and really was, was very, very composed, really good interview. I enjoyed talking to the lad. Um, he was talking about his kind of his future with Bolton and, and, and well, possible future with Bolton and how he's left it with West Brom, um, which we'll get into in a bit, uh, a bit. But that Barrow game, it was... I mean, it was quite dull. I, I found myself drifting off a little bit in that second half because it was well and truly won. I think Pete Wilde came out afterwards and, and basically admitted, look, we came here just simply to, to sit in, protect our penalty box, and then last five minutes just throw everything forward and hopefully grab a goal. And it nearly worked for him. And I suppose you've got to take your cap off and say that's that's a fair game plan, but it was it was crude to say the least. Oh, yeah, it was... Yeah, it was. Uh, how can I put this politely? It was. Uh, I I never really. My my wife knows that between you know when the match kicks off to full time, you're not going to get much out of me. You're not going to get a text out of me. She can text me, and I'll text her back after the game. I did find myself in the second half going, oh, "Have you eaten? Should I pick some up on the way home?" Because <laughs> uh, yeah, it wasn't. It, I'm sure the manager will look and go, "Yeah, the the passing from Bolton was good." Um, we didn't give the ball away too much, but I just feel what worried me is that if if you're a Cheltenham or a Burton who are playing the next uh, couple exactly. of weeks, yeah. you're going to look at that and think, well, this is what we'll do. And Barrow, to be fair to him, it worked, and you got to give him credit for it. And you know, they, their whole game plan, you could tell, was going to be for straight Bolton, make them create nothing, and then the ten minutes of injury time, whatever it was going to be, they will will attack then, and that's exactly what they did. But um, and they'll be disappointed that a free kick has led to them losing. But uh, for a Bolton thing, I think it was concerning because is can we not break down the low block? Mm. That was um, more than a low block. I know that was like <laughs> that was that block was nearly at the earth's. 
core. That's how low that low <laughs> yeah. block was. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so, so I, you know, and I know they're talking more about having shots from out the area, outside yeah. the area. For me, there were a lot of chances to do it. There was only really Magoma doing it in the first half. Mm. Mm. Um, and second half, it was non-existent. So that would worry me. But, you know, it, yeah, a win's a win, isn't it? Well, That's... they got the goal. I mean, if they hadn't got the goal, if it had been nil-nil going up to the last 10 minutes, then I think you could have very rightly had a go at them. But really, they, I think they were able to just, just play the game in third gear after that, really. And it is, dis- it is a bit disappointing because you feel like it's a bit of a, a missed opportunity because Magoma and... Gomez, in particular, in that first half, showed signs and you thought, oh, go on, this is going to be one of those nights where you, you you see them enjoying themselves. And they seemed to do so for about 20, 25 minutes and then it all kind of faded out and it all became a little bit safe. And they knew they had the game won at that point in time, obviously in the second half, and that Borough were not going anywhere. But it, it just it just became it became dull and it was a shame, if you know what I mean. It, it, was, it, it could have yeah. been a bit more. Yeah, I, I, I mean, this, this says, I guess this tells us where we are with Bolton. But I never thought I'd leave a one-nil win for Bolton feeling okay. disappointed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, look, if they want to win the, every single game for the rest of the season one-nil, then more power to their elbow. But I, yeah. I feel like, like you mentioned those teams there: Cheltenham, Burton's, Fleetwoods. They're all coming up, and they're the kind of games that. Bet- and they've got better players. So if they want to sit in and, and then hit you on the break, it's going to be harder to defend. And uh, I think they've got to get better at it. They've got to get a little bit more, uh, you know, a bit, sprinkle a bit more stardust, get a bit bit braver and, and have shots from elsewhere, etc. I think had, you know, when Aaron Morley been on the pitch, for example, it might have been a bit different. But um, we shall see. We shall see. Let's have some headlines. <laughs> News. Yes, every week Henry delves into the Bolton news to pick out the very best stories. And this week, Mark, you're spoiled for choice, mate, let's be honest. I am. And uh, what are the first one? Let's talk about the next round of the Carabao Cup. I don't think we'll be pl- facing a low block against these. We've got Middlesbrough at home. Yeah. Um, I think this could be a... This could be kind of the perfect draw for us. We can test ourselves against championship opposition, good championship opposition. And, uh, you know, I don't think it'd be a huge shock if we won. Yeah, it's, it's got kind of echoes of, of Barnsley from a couple of years ago, hasn't it? The kind of slightly slightly elevated, slightly better uh, sort of squad and, and, and obviously league position. But it wouldn't be a humongous shock to see Bolton go through on home turf depending on, and also depending on how sort of strong a team Middlesbrough put out, I suppose, as well. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that it exactly caught fire when I, when I heard about the draw. I, I fell asleep, to be honest, and then I woke up uh, to, to Martin O'Neill messing about uh, on the cup yeah. draw. Did you watch that? It was annoying. It was driving me nuts. And yeah. then when Harrogate came out at home and they he picked out an early ball, like a, like a two or three or four, I thought, oh, this could be Bolton. I could be ticking a ground off my list here. And it was Blackburn Rovers. I was gutted. I was gutted. And then obviously, you know, Bolton Middlesbrough. It is what it is. I, I, I think it's, I wouldn't say winnable as in you expect to win it but it's one that wouldn't be a massive shock if they did um and Middlesbrough will bring a few and and there's a obviously a I, I tell you something else that really peed me off as well that they made a, a play back to uh Leicester and Tranmere being some semi-final or final from Yonks back when O'Neill was in charge of Leicester and then Bolton and Middlesbrough came out nothing nothing at all as if that's never been a league cup final <laughs> and yeah. absolutely zero recall whatsoever. Yeah, they mentioned Bolton two times runners up, and then we gave phase one of the teams we were runners up to, and they don't mention it. Weird. But, uh, yeah. yeah, almost almost as if they have absolutely zero idea unless they're given any notes. These presenters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Mark Chapman is a good presenter, but I think you're also very right. <laughs> is that, that look, he is. I, I do. I like Chappies. All right, but uh, he, they they do get spoon fed these little little nuggets and statistics i think the very best presenters probably have their own and, and the jeff stellings of this world i'm sure they have plenty of uh, little little stories tucked away but uh, i think generally speaking 
on this sort of gig. That's exactly what it's like. Uh, but yeah, happy with Middlesbrough, I suppose. Uh, let's move on. Uh, so this was a talking point of the weekend, not only in Bolton's matches, but uh, every match it was the new timekeeping rules. Mm. We saw, uh, I think, was it five minutes of stoppage time in the first half and then eight or nine maybe in the second half? I can't mm. remember. Um, I did notice, though, against Barrow, because the, the scoreboard weren't on, was it, against Lincoln? It was no. against Barrow, and the, the time continues, doesn't it? Whereas it used to stop at 45 minutes on the scoreboard. It now continues, and then when the referee was playing added time to the added time, I noticed some of the players were pointing at the scoreboard, being like, <laughs> you've played. So, I I, I mean, it, it's good that they've done it. I, I think it came from the, the referee and association or whatever i don't know why they've done that because i think it's just putting their refs under pressure but uh, i'm sure they'll have their own thoughts on it but uh yeah what do you think of these time rule keeping rules in general uh is this going to be good for bolton or uh I, I guess it might even itself out across the season we think of all the late goals they score in general and maybe last season a few a few less a, a, a few fewer late goals uh, than the season before and the season before under Everett, but still, they 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 score later than most teams. Uh, they use the ball better than most teams. If you're keeping the ball for as long as Bolton are, you're tiring out the opposition theoretically. So they shouldn't be quite as lively um, in the later stages. So maybe that does suit Bolton. And I, I know they're big on fitness. Uh, I know Ian Everett's made uh, a comment about you know we need to be even fitter now because the games are going to be going on for 110 minutes um, which is ridiculous when you think about it uh, so maybe it changes the way he looks at substitutions maybe it changes the way that you do your conditioning or your, your rehabilitation and, and all that kind of stuff so it, it gives the managers quite a lot to think about and it um, it looks to me like it's it's been, oh no, I wouldn't say hoisted on them, but it's a bit of a surprise to a lot of people. I think people are still getting their heads around exactly what it's going to mean. And maybe it settles down and maybe, you know, if in a few weeks we, we don't really we don't really notice it at all. But right at the minute, um, the players are coming up and, and it's the first thing they're talking about. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe there's an extra five, ten minutes and then my legs were going, etc., etc. I think they're conditioned to pay, play in... 90 minutes and, and then injury time. Um, but now you're, you're, you're talking, I think there was a, a report that said it could be an extra four or five games, the equivalent of an extra four or five games a season, which is ridiculous. Um, there was nine extra hours played in the EFL last weekend. Over, over all the, which is, it is madness. Um, especially when you look at the game at Bolton, there were three goals and some substitutions and, I'm not sure necessarily that goal celebrations and substitutions are really the kind of time wasting that we were really talking about getting rid of. Uh, it was more the dark arts and they seem to successfully be doing that as well. So you can't complain. This is what everybody wanted. They would, they wanted all that rubbish out of the game. Um, and it, I, I don't think it should be retaliated against, but I do think maybe just a little bit more common sense on a, on a couple of them. And besides which, it really ruins my deadline after a final whistle, I've got to be honest. Uh, it gives me zero time to be able to get anything done after a final whistle uh, when you're playing an extra 20 minutes. So uh, it's all about me, really. <laughs> I did. To be fair, I did think, because I noticed your report was out pretty sharpish out the after the full-time whistle on Saturday, but that was because it was 3-0. Whereas if it's a close game, You've got 10 minutes of stoppage time where there could be more than one goal. I did mm. think of, uh, you know, poor Mark. But, um, yeah, it's, I, yeah, it's, I think players are going to have to be fitter. And, well, we score a lot of late goals. So you've got to say that Bolton's team are, are, uh, are one of the fittest in the league because of that. Um, so I think it could benefit Bolton. But, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I think it's, yeah, I agree with you. Celebrations and stuff shouldn't be counted in it. I think even substitutions, for me, you know, when you're adding 30 seconds on, for, I think they were adding 30 seconds on for a substitution, uh, you know, every substitution. I, I think that makes sense. But, um, you know, I, I also, yeah, I, I think 
I I don't know whether there's you get ten seconds. You know, it's you get ten seconds when the ball goes out of play, and anything after that, then time starts to be mm. added on. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It's a difficult one. But I, I, yeah. the the other thing is, from a fan's point of view, is when do you leave? You like traditionally, you start seeing people start filing out from about what would you say about eighty minutes or so. Yeah, yeah. But if you are sat there thinking, oh, I'll beat the traffic, there's a whole new world now. You could be missing like a third of the game if you disappear at 80 minutes. Yeah, I've got a theory, though, that I think it's Neil Hart that's behind all of this. And Obviously. the reason is, is because, yeah, is because if you're playing an extra 20 minutes a match, then that's an extra 20 minutes people are spending on the car park mm, and spending more money. So I'm on to you, Neil Hart. I know this, this is all you. Um, right, let's move on before I get, uh, yeah, before we go back to the previous days and suddenly I get banned from the, uh, the stadium um, and called a conspiracy theorist. Uh, right, a positive note though, uh, Bob Varson and Toll, two notable, noticeable absentees, if I can get that, uh, say that, um, from the opening two games, but they've got a comeback date. Mm. I guess Bolton are in a luxury position at the moment because of our squad and because we have got... I, I was thinking against Barrow, actually. He could have actually changed the whole 11. Easy. And, yeah. um, you know, so we have got a big squad. So we can be... We not you know we don't have to rush them back, but they do have a comeback date, which is good. It gives us more options. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, it's interesting to see what they've done with Toll, Bob Vars, and they're both back in full training, but they've been quite careful. I, I think they appreciate that Toll's ankle... They don't want any sort of relapse on that, so they wanted to double down really on to make sure that when he gets back, he stays back. And the same goes for Bob Parson as well. We all know what uh, kind of a checkered injury history he's had with Bolton, which I'll say again, if you look through his career, people keep on saying, oh, he's you know, made of glass or all that sort of nonsense. If you look through his career, he's barely missed any games through injury. It just so happens that he's had a, a run here at Bolton. Um so they've got to get to the bottom of whatever that is. And hopefully uh, this little spell of intensive fitness uh, that they've been doing with him does fix him. Um, I think he's, he's out with a hamstring at the minute. But uh, So Bob Varson looks like he's going to get uh, back for Fleetwood, which is great news. Uh, Toll then potentially the weekend after that, which again, great news, gives, it gives him loads and loads of options. Um, and yeah, you just had to look at the bench on the opening day and there was... There was loads of loads of options, loads of different things you could have done from that. You then look at Tuesday, as you say, you could easily have, I think you made eight changes, could easily have made 11 changes. And then you've got players like, and, and I'll ask you this one, but players like Declan John and Kieran Sadlier. Now, I know Dec John was on the bench on Tuesday night, didn't come on. Sads hasn't been seen in either side. So is that writing on the wall, do you reckon? Yeah, it's got to be. I, I Again, I don't know you know, what is going on behind the scenes, but it's, I, I think Ian Everett clearly wants to use the whole squad this year. He showed that last year, you know, you have your, your about two or three who are going to probably be Baxter, Santos and Charles who will start probably every game. Hopefully. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah uh, with, uh, with Dion Charles probably not finishing any games. Um, whereas Santos, obviously Santos and Baxter will, but, yeah, I just, yeah, I think it was. It, that tells me that they're on the way out. I, I don't know whether the, you know, he, he didn't play either of them because maybe they're they're thinking, well, if we can sell them to a team who who is still in the Carabao Cup, so they're not cup tied. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, but I be I I think especially because he's because he never said he wants to get one or two through the door for me. Uh, maybe cover at wing back, but I would think that he'd have to get John and Sadlier out to get them to win. Mm. Yeah, I, I think the, the certainly the right wing back, our right wing back is is definitely on the list. Um, Dacus Cogley has played well, and I, and a few people have have pointed that out to me on on the emails as well. They're really impressed with the way that uh, that he's played over the the first sort of ninety minutes that most people have seen. Of, of competitive football with him. Um, but I do think they need another right back. I, I don't see sadly being the, the longer term option for it. And I, I dare say they're looking for a loan for him for the final year of his contract. Uh, he's looking for the right sort of thing. Uh, it's a shame because I've said it before. Anyway, I enjoy watching him play football. He's always worth a goal sad, sadly. And 
in that kind of game that we saw on Tuesday night. Had he been around, he's the kind of guy that would take on those shots from distance. The problem being is you don't get to play against your Barrows very often in League One um, and you need a bit more defensive responsibility and, and that's obviously where he's not quite shown enough for Ian Everett to have him in the team every week. And um, The Declan-John debate will rage on. I dare say even long after he leaves the club eventually, uh, there will be a, a staunch section of fans he seems a very very popular player uh, people enjoy watching him play so um, everybody will have their opinion on that uh, shall we go on to more opinions because I've just noticed in the running order what the next headline is yes uh, the call is uh, voting for kits 2.0 so second year uh, last year was very successful and I quite like all the kits that have um, well the third one I don't think the third one was one of the options but uh, I like the two kits that were now this year's um, I mean, famously, Mark, you don't care about kits. Uh, famously, so famously. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe I will ask your opinion uh, on them specifically uh, and which is your favourite. But alarmingly for me, well, not alarmingly, I speak too strong, but there's no complete white kit. Mm. Um, I was, And I'll be honest, I was quite disappointed with the options for the home kit. Uh, the away ones all look great, and we'll get on to them in a minute because a lot of people obviously don't want red shirts, yet I think our away shirt should be red, but I'll discuss that in a moment. But let's start on the home kits. Uh, we've got two where we've got a vertical stripe, of a blue stripe, and a horizontal blue stripe down the middle, and then we've got one uh, which all, the purists would hate. It's a very uh, out-there white kit with blue sort of splodges on it. Um mm. But they haven't seemed to have gone down well on social media. Can you understand why? Well, yeah, social media is bizarre. <laughs> it's, that's, <laughs> yeah, it's true. that's the reason. There's absolutely no chance of getting people to agree on social media, as it's impossible. Uh, look, I, I'm surprised that they didn't have a, a plain white one because, I mean, that's that that's the go-to uh, Bolton Wanderers kit, isn't it? It hasn't really changed a great deal. Um, in all the years and I suppose maybe they're thinking well listen if we do tweak it those people that don't come out and get a, a plain white kit every year might just decide to get a home one instead because it's something slightly different um, there's only so much you can do with a plain white kit there's only so many different types of collars you can have or different types of badge placements or yada 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 um, obviously the traditionalists have had their nose point joint a little tiny bit uh, I'm ambivalent about all the designs. I don't really care as long as I can see the numbers on the back. That I'll say that again and again and again. That's the only thing that I really care about. But I can appreciate that those people um, who point to shirts worn by the the Eurojorkievs and uh, uh, JJ Koches and Ivan Campos, the famous white shirts, would have them playing that all the time. Um, and actually, there is a very good reason. There is a very good argument, actually, as to why are we releasing a kit every single year? Or why does everybody release a kit every single year now? Because that in itself is... Uh, it, it sticks in my craw a little bit because they're very expensive. As a father of a, 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 a child who demands the, the latest kit every season, I can tell you it hits you in the pocket and it's annoying. I would love it if clubs would be limited to only every, every two years, for example. But uh, nevertheless, that's the way it's going. Um, it's an expensive do, isn't it? And you'll you'll it find is. out soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. I looked at baby kit. I was in the club shop on Saturday. I looked at baby kits. Not to three months old. 40 quid? Bloody what are you wearing fire. it for three months? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even lasted a full season. Um, yeah. But uh, I, I mean, the, the size of it, it just becomes a massive advert for Victorian plumbing. Yeah, well, I've got but, nothing nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. And uh, if no, uh, Victorian still... plumbing are listening, then uh, there's also a very good podcast that's looking for a sponsor at the moment as well, if you're, <laughs> if you're listening. But um, yeah. look, I've got no... no I can fully appreciate the commercial reasons, and this year's kits have been absolutely fantastic. Um, I'd be interested to see now what the blowback's like and whether or not they, they change their minds at all or whether they just go with it, what the numbers have been like, and I'm sure we'll find out next summer. Yeah, well, I voted for, if anyone cares, I voted for the uh, uh, the one with the horizontal line, the one mm. across the middle, because I think the sponsor can sit in that. 
Uh, and then I did vote for the... I mean, all three away kits for me are, are great, but I, we've had green quite a bit. We've had purple quite a bit. I would, we don't have red, and I, I can understand why fans don't want red because of Man United. Oh, <laughs> uh, United! Uh. Yeah, but you look at that famous photo of Frank Worthington in that red kit, I think it looks smart, and I yeah. think when you yeah. go down the years, it's only the last sort of... I think the last purely red away kit I can remember as having was under Big Sam, I want to say 2003, maybe 2004. So uh, we've not had one for a long time. There's and one, I think one in the eighties yeah. as well. I think there was a Normid one in the eighties, a, a red one. If I yeah. So I, I think they look quite smart and uh, we've not had one for a while. So uh, I would, I, I have gone for the red one. I wouldn't mind the other two though. They are, they are quite good, but uh, yeah, red for me for this one. And um, I, I mean, let's face it, as long as it's not blue and white stripes, then uh I don't mind red as as much as I would do if it was those colours. I mean, I'll make a couple of notes. The the I like the colour of the green one. I just don't know why it's the green elephant. I think the kit's called the green elephant or something. That put me off immediately. Um, the red one, I, I I don't have any particular issues with playing in red away from home. And it's weird that the, the number of people who email me or who consistently make an issue out of... Bolton is in Lancashire, not Greater Manchester. Bolton, Red Rose, Bolton, this, you know, they're, they're continually wanting to be associated with Lancashire's Red Rose, and yet they have a massive problem with playing in red. Um, it's just yeah. a colour, guys. It's just a colour, don't worry. It doesn't mean that you're any less of a Bolton supporter or that you suddenly got a, a ticket on the Stratford end or you've got, a, you know, a, a tattoo of Norman Whiteside or something. Uh, it's doesn't doesn't make any less of a Bolton supporter. Um, it's just a colour. I think it'll look cool, but I don't. I don't really mind as long as I can see the numbers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, right, let's move on to uh, the the goal scorer from the Barrow games, Zach Ashworth. Mm. Um, he is in the shot window. He, he This is a loan to buy, mm. uh, essentially. Um, did you... Well, I mean, you can only go off, really, what we saw against Barrow, but do you think there's enough in him to get a, a deal with us? I, I like the fact that he was asking for the ball all the time. He, he was trying to keep the tempo up. He put a couple of decent crosses in. Probably had a Bud Varson been in there or another Biagio been in there longer, it, they would have been more uh, profitable, probably, some of the crosses in the second half. But I liked his attitude. I like the fact that he... He took on responsibility for that free kick as well. Idale wanted it. He, you know, he kind of grabbed the ball. He was like, "No, I'm, I'm, trust me, I'm going to do this." And he, he, he came through and scored his first goal as well. Um, I was, I was quite taken with the way he was afterwards when he came up and talked to us uh, in the press as well. Very mature young lad. Um, so yeah, I like what I see of him so far. It, of course, it depends on what we're going to get to see of him in general. You know, will he be a second string left wing back? Uh, to Randell, who started really, really well. Will he be a, a, a sitting midfielder, which is another uh, position he can play, or even the left-sided centre-half? Will he get those opportunities? How much are we going to see of him? I, I don't know that yet, but I, I certainly like uh, what we've seen so far. How about you? You watched him on Tuesday night against Barrow. What do you reckon? I thought he was... I thought him and Forrest did, uh, did quite well, actually, at the back. And uh, It was a difficult game because... They weren't much defending and it seemed that Barrow were clearing the ball and it was Santos versus their centre forward, which Santos was winning <laughs> all the time. But I think for Ash I think it was a good game to see with Forrester and Ashworth. Um because they're gonna to have to do it's not just about defending, they are gonna to have to get forward and we saw Johnston get to the byline and cut uh, cut crosses in, so they're gonna to have to do that and I thought they did quite well. Mm. Um I think Forrester yeah, as he showed against uh, West Brom in the friendly, he likes to maybe cut in and, and get into the area and uh, maybe get a shot away. And I think Ashworth will be the same. So, uh, yeah, I think as a if you look at our defenders now, we probably need someone in the right in the centre to, um, you know, to, to cover Santos. But I think the, the two positions either side of Santos, I think we've got some uh, some really good options there now. Uh, and I think Ashworth, yeah, he can play there. He can play on the left. Um, it's nice that we've got him and Iredale that can swap positions. I think that'll be not only handy at the start of matches to to kick off, but I think as as matches progress, I think it'd be really good that we've got two players over there that can swap. 
Um, more than I don't think necessarily Dacus Codley and Jones could do the same, but um, I know Jones can play on the right. But but yeah, um, yeah, I was I was positive, and if he can score free kicks, then that's a bonus as well. So I quite liked him, and uh, if he continues how he's doing, I would I would be more than happy for him to to sign on for, with us. Yeah, only a young lad as well, of course. Uh, final headline. Yes, Gary O'Neill has become the Wolves manager and uh, as a Bolton fan, it takes me no pleasure in watching what's happening at Wolves. It really doesn't. Um, I really hope that that Gary O'Neill has a really good season and uh, we don't end up meeting Wolves again next year, hopefully in the Championship. Um, But uh, in all seriousness, Gary O'Neill, he won player of the year, didn't he, at Bolton? So he... Technically, can be classed as a, a bit of a Bolton legend. He stood out in that very poor team of that season, and um, it's nice to see after what happened at Bournemouth that he's been given another opportunity in the Premier League, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's one of it's one of those. I think it was probably the only opportunity he was going to get. Wolves are a, a club in a little bit of strife, I think, with the way that financial fair play is working and and the the fact that they're having to cut their cloth a little bit more uh, over this, this season. I'm not too sure whether or not the previous manager, uh, Lopetegui, really really liked the way that things were going. So Gary O'Neill comes in as a bit, a bit of a firefighter, really. But he did a good job at Bournemouth. I don't think there's any question about that. And um, it felt a little bit iffy the way that he was dispensed there by the uh, the new owners at Bournemouth. But O'Neill would have been Bolton's manager at one stage, or certainly interim manager, uh, when Phil Parkinson was initially pitching the idea of leaving before the Football Ventures takeover, the administrators thought there'd be a, a month, up to a month of, of no manager at all. So you were coming from pre-season into, uh, into the regular season and, and, and O'Neill was kind of put forward as the guy that would be able to keep that keep the home fires burning, if you will. Now, Parkinson stayed on a bit longer than they thought. O'Neill was training as a player at the time. Um, but the idea was then to bring him back as a player coach and to have him on the staff with Keith Hill and David Flickcroft, who then said, no, we don't want to do that. We want to go in a different direction. And, and O'Neill kind of got cast out a little bit and ended up, I think he went to Liverpool, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was Liverpool under 23s or, or he worked at the academy there for a little bit. And then, Obviously, we know what's happened since. Um, he's got something about him. He's definitely uh, was a good shop steward at, at Bolton. Did a lot of organising behind the scenes where, at a time where, believe me, there was a lot of organising to do. Um, and yeah, I can I can see him being a decent manager. I don't take any great pleasure of him going to Wolves, obviously. Um, but uh, I mean, I, do I? I don't necessarily wish him any any harm there. I don't really really wish Wolves any harm but I do suspect that they will be in that relegation fight in the Premier League yeah um, yeah I, I don't know for me the Premier League is it's like a I don't know it's like a TV show it's that far away from what we are at the moment <laughs> uh, I don't I, I don't necessarily care who wins it and gets relegated but if we get promoted I, then exactly. yeah I'd like us to play Wolves again even though with their parachute payments uh, and maybe the EFL's different sort of rules around FFP. Um, it, it could be a, a bit of a, I don't know, it could be a bit of a nightmare playing a team like Wolves. But um, hey, we're going to have to play three former Premier League teams if we get promoted to the Championship. So mm. any of them can probably sign £20 million goalkeepers uh, <laughs> who have been alone at us and, and be okay. But Crazy. Uh, yeah, there's your, it is. But there's your headlines for this week. Lovely job, Lee. Let's have some emails. Take it away, Phil. Is that Philip Moresh? Emails, actually. Yes, uh, we've had loads of emails this week. Uh, I've had to stick four on our, our running order, so we'll rattle through them as quickly as we can do. Uh, the first one comes from Andy. Uh, he says, fantastic podcast, great listen. Uh, whilst either walking the dog or driving to the match from Liverpool. However, I'm fuming, he says. He's livid. The first game of the season, and this is what happens. 20,000-plus crowd. We score a goal in the first five minutes. A forward scores in his first game, and the 
Two goals are scored from set-piece corners. To top it off, the football is fantastic to watch. <laughs> I mean, come on. I've got nothing to talk about, No, nothing to moan about, or any reason to complain or kick the bin. Totally ruined my usual first-day first game experience. Fuming. Long may it continue, says Andy. Tongue firmly in cheek there. A bit of scouse humour, potentially. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. I... Uh... Because the note I you sent me just said I'm furious and I was like oh this is this is gonna be interesting but uh, <laughs> uh, not very good and yeah I think most people agree but um, it's I, I I will say though because there were a lot of pressure on the team on Saturday we were one of the favourites to go up and as I said last week if it had been nil two after twenty minutes well ironically what Derby have had to yeah. have in their opening two games. Um, and then it, it could have, I again, like Derby, it could have got a bit sour. and um, But no, I think Bolton, 3-0 win. Okay, it was kind of put into insignificance because of what Barnsley did. But um, yeah, I, I think overall, good performance. And I think everyone left the ground happy on uh, on Saturday, whether you did it at 10 to 5 and missed 20 minutes, or whether you did it at <laughs> 20 past 5. Um but uh, I I know we've I always know we've done I think there's there's a mixture of doing well and the, it raining when you go into the club shop afterwards and it was packed. Mm. I don't know if anyone else saw noticed, but uh, Toby Britton uh, was in there as well with one of his mates, and I thought I bet he's reporting back to his mum going, "Oh mum, it was packed. We're going to Barbados in a few weeks. A lot of money coming in. I don't think they're flying easy jet, mate. Don't worry about that. I'll tell you what, though. <laughs> you mentioned Derby there, and we did our buff predictions. Um, I'm really happy to say that they're going well. Uh, so we all we all picked Derby as being the, the, the title winners elect. Um, I was there with... Listen, it is Oxford have, have done some good business here. They lost 2-0 at Cambridge and then got whacked 5-1 against Bristol City on Tuesday night. So, so far, so great. Um, also, a little little note as well, and apologies uh, to Henry, but we are running the uh, Fantasy League. I did mention it at the very, very top. But uh, just in case you fast-forwarded to this bit, uh, the Buff Fantasy League is up and running. All the notes you need are in the podcast notes this podcast notes. Um, I'll stick them out on social media again in the various channels before the weekend. Um, do, have I got the league code? Is it worth mentioning the league code? Let's try and do that as well, just to make sure. Here we go. It's uh, small t zero one small h seven nine. That's the league code. T- Henry, you're joining, aren't you? I am. Uh, we're recording this on Thursday morning. I've not done it. I like to leave my team to the very last minute, so I will do it at some point today or, or in the morning. Um, so yeah, I'll have to wait and see. I, I wonder how many Bolton fans have stuck James Trafford in the team. Yeah, I don't know how much he's worth actually. I should really have uh, really have checked that one out. But uh, let's let's move on. We've got another we've got another headline. This one's from yeah, the headline. Another email from Ian. Uh, well, what a great start to the season. In my humble opinion, we bossed that from start to finish. Josh Dakers Cogley is an absolute find and a half. Randell, Rico, Demps, and Victor all had cracking games. Chuffed for Jack for getting on the score seat. Nathan Baxter looks solid between the sticks too, although he had little to do. Early doors, I know, but if that's a sign of things to come, we're in for a belter of a season. Keep uh, up the great work. That's from Ian. Another positive one, Henry. Yes, it was. And if Lincoln are expected to be just outside the playoffs, I think if that's the uh, the standard of opposition for about, what, 7th or 8th, then uh, we'll be fine. Yes, yes. Well, I uh, predicted to be just outside the playoffs by some EFL experts, uh, one of which was in the press room, actually, um, at the weekend. He, he came to watch uh, Wanderers versus Lincoln and uh, told me told me why he thought Wanderers were going to have a really good season, which was, uh, was, which was nice to hear. Anyway, uh, this one's from Ravi, and this one is a, a callback to something you, you mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I did send you this email, so you've seen the picture. Um, he said, I heard your call for people with dugout chairs to come forward and I've included a picture of mine sitting pride of place in the middle of the flat, complete with a wanderer's pillow. My dad removed the metal base from the bottom and has put on wooden skis so it's able to move around a bit easier. Admittedly, it's not the most comfortable seat of the world. It tends to get most use when my mate Rob, another wanderer, is over to play a bit of FIFA on the PlayStation. If you can believe it, an ex-girlfriend wasn't the biggest fan of the chair or the rest of the decor, which is quite heavily cricket and football themed. And you can clearly tell what choice I made there. No regrets. Ravi. Yes. Good lad. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I think it looks, it, it's just funny. It looks brilliant. And it's, uh, it's a talking point for anyone who does come into your house, Ravi. Um, 
But yeah, we because the, these these dugout chairs will be dotted about Bolton or maybe further afield. So if anyone else is wants to share where they've put their dugout seat or if they got anything from the um the concourse sale a few weeks ago that's interesting yeah, yeah let us know yeah definitely i could just picture the conversation though it's uh, uh right we need to talk uh it, it it's basically you or the chair and i've picked the chair i'm sorry <laughs> i'm sorry good old ravi good lad right uh last email i think is it the last email yes it is I'm just, <laughs> I've lost count. Um, okay. Hi, Mark. Something away from the football side of things. Instead of a question about issues, uh, straight instead, a question about issues with traffic after games. It's no secret that after games, the area suffers with deadlock traffic, both from matches and shoppers visiting Biddlebrook. I'm also aware that the club and council approved plans for future work to be done outside the retail park, but as yet, uh, no date's been given. I wonder whether the club would ever look into creating another exit route for visitors as at the moment the existing routes have been exhausted. Ideally, it could sit at the back of the next and Kia stores as looking at Google Maps, the land seems to be derelict. Just a thought as if we want to continue to attract more visitors and more events, traffic will be an obvious concern for attending. Love to hear your thoughts on this. Um, and that was from Luke. Uh, Luke, an interesting one. I, I must admit, I'm not a good person to talk about about this because by the time i when i go into the stadium it's well before a game and when i come out of the stadium it's well afterwards so i'd never see peak time um you obviously do henry tell me your thoughts he's, he's spot on it's a nightmare oh, we've we've stopped me and my dad have stopped even bothering going to our car until six o'clock now because there's yeah. no point you don't move so you might as well walk around the retail park and uh it's that and, neil hart again neil hart yeah, neil. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah he's spot on and they used to be before uh they built the next and the, the kia there used to be like a bit of an overspill car park there which we used to park on and actually it was it was quite good because you got you got access um you know on the on the road where you exit the retail park over that side you, you got access to it um first so uh, then they obviously they built on it, so um, everyone's now on the retail part. I mean, they do put signs up saying no football traffic, which I think mm. is cute, really. Cause <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> no one policing it, and you know, like if anyone if anyone asks, that like, are you here for the football? No. no. What's that white and blue scarf you've got on? Well, it's just it's August and it's, it's chilly. It's, yeah, the air conditioners on in Wilco's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, it is. It's it's a nightmare, and it it's. Obviously, it's you know you all want to. Everyone wants to start the Saturday evening, if especially Bolton have won. They don't want to be sat in a car park for an hour, but it's worse on a night. You know when I remember last year, well, in particular when we played Villa, big crowd, and it was. I don't think we got off the car park till about quarter past eleven. Mm. So it, yeah, it is an issue. I mean, I can understand. You know, the club could argue that okay, well, we provide parking, and that gives you priority to get off car park fair enough it, you know I, I bugbear of mine is paying for parking anywhere anyway um so i can understand why people don't want to um i, I don't know for me bolton wanderers don't have a priority over anything on that on middlebrook because mm. as as we know it is the, the biggest retail park in europe but if you are coming if you're not going to the football and you're going shopping on a saturday afternoon at that time i think you're a I don't know. You're a, you're a bit of an idiot <laughs> because I don't understand why you would. Especially you'd go if it were me. I'd go a Bolton at home. Yes, we'll go in the morning or we'll go Sunday. I don't know. You know, you're just adding to problems. But um, mm. yeah, it's definitely a problem. It need, needs addressing, to be honest. But then again, what do Bolton do? They they provide parking. Um, so their priority is the people that pay to park. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one. I mean, with we're getting back into the sort of numbers of the Premier League era, aren't we? We're looking at twenty thousand crowds again. So we these are problems they've not had for a decade or so. That the for a while it all went away because there simply wasn't as many people turning up. And um you know, back in the day I can remember the same arguments being had. Middlebrook has since grown in size, of course. They've got lots more restaurants and lots more leisure stuff there. Um, I know the council are looking at 
different ways of doing it. There's there's lots of stuff in the in the kind of pipeline, but I get the feeling that it's going to get worse whilst all that's being implemented and built. Yeah. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Obviously, they're talking about uh, there being a bypass and all sorts of stuff, which would theoretically help things. Um, but yeah, look, I, unfortunately, I haven't got the sway to make these things happen, but I can certainly say that I would, uh, I would certainly like to see another exit route um, planned, if at all possible, uh, especially for those loons that do go shopping on a Saturday at Middlebrook, because my wife's one of them. She's continually texting me from games saying, oh, I'm just, uh, you know, just nipping to Middlebrook. Is there anything that you want? I'm like, yes go and shop in Wigan or go and shop in Burberry or, or anywhere anywhere that's not Bolton because I'll, I won't see you for a couple of days trying to get out of this car park. Um, madness, madness. Um, okay, so thank you very much for email. Some good discussion points um, and some positive stuff as well. It's about time we got some of that. Um, keep your emails coming to us. This is how to get in touch. So you want to bring something up on the buff? Email Mark and Henry on the buffmail at gmail.com. That's T-H-E- B-U-F-F-M-A-I-L, all one word, at gmail.com. And sorry to the male escort who probably getting some unsolicited Bolton Wanderers correspondence from the people who spell that incorrectly. Right, uh, it's time for a bit of uh, AI Jigger Johnson. AI Jigger Johnson. Everybody's talking about AI, absolutely everybody. You walk down the streets, it's all anybody talks about. You turn on the telly, it's all anybody talks about. Uh, so we've decided to test just how useful AI actually is. Um, normally, we, we ask for a little quiz or we ask for a, a couple of quirky facts. Today, I have asked them to name, uh, I've asked ChatGPT to name the 10 best looking Bolton Wanderers players of all time. Wow. Best looking. Now, I'll, I'll read out what, what it says. It says, uh, remember, this is a list based on subjective opinions and individual preferences, and it's important to appreciate players for their skills and contributions on the field rather than solely for their appearance. So I want you to keep that in mind, Henry, when you're, you're rattling out the, uh, the, the hotties and the notties in the Bolton Wanderers squad right now, just as somebody comes through the door and interrupts my podcast. Um, yeah, so we've got 10 players on this list. Um, and I'm going to give you five guesses. See how many see how many of them you can get. The ten best looking Bolton Wanderers players of all time. Right. Okay. Um... And this will say a lot about you as well. I think if there's any psychological profilers out there, just just let me know your <laughs> yeah. thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, good looking. I, I think. Uh, hmm. uh, it depends on your area. I think some may look back at Frank Worthington. Um, mm -hmm. maybe Big Sam, but the, uh, the Big Sam in his twenties and thirties, um, Rugged. I don't know, some, yeah, some would look at maybe the mid noughties, um, or mid nineties, trying to think who would, who's, who were the, the handsome, I don't know, Keith Brannigan, maybe he was, he wasn't mm -hmm. too bad looking, I guess, in the mid nineties, yeah, I yeah, mid noughties. You, I mean, you're getting into the worlds of Anelka, mm. uh, Super Kev. I know he was the housewife's favourite. Oh, definitely. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's a few of them in there, maybe? Nope, zero. Nada. You've okay. got none of them. No. Um, I, I can tell you, actually, I remember the housewife's favourite. There used to be, was it the Junior Whites? Was it like the parent, the mum's favourite or something? I don't think you'd be yeah. allowed to give that award anymore. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, it's not very... Uh... Not very 2023, is it? No, it's not. No, it's not bad. I remember Kevin Davies used to win it like every other year. I remember Gary Speed winning it as well. Honestly, if, if oh, I yeah. the first two names off my my tongue would be uh, Kevin Davies and Gary Speed, simply based on those housewife awards that I used to always <laughs> always tease them about um, when yeah. back in the day. Okay, so according to Chat GPT, the top ten best looking in reverse order. Uh, Best-looking Bolton Wanderers players of all time are number ten, Yossi Askelainen, number nine, mm -hmm. El Hadj Juf. Well, he was a bad boy. Some some people like bad boys. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. It's uh, it's fine. Uh, number eight, JJ Akocha. 
number seven, Bruno and Gotti. Number six, Rodrigo Moreno. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, a bit, bit of a curveball, but I can uh, see it. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Number five, Gary Kale. I could probably see that in his early yeah. days, yeah. Uh, number four, Ivan Klasnic. Okay, yeah. I forgot about Klasnic, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, see that. Number three, Stelios. Hey, as you know, Mark, some women, uh, some men like bald, bald men. I love you, baby. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so number two, Nobby Nolan. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cheeky yeah. Nobby Nolan. Um, and number one, the best-looking Bolton Wanderers footballer of all time, with a glint in his eye. It's Fabrice Mwamba. Oh right. Okay. Uh, well, Fabrice was a nice guy. I think. Uh, you know. He still is. go. Well, yeah, he is, but people go for, for bad boys, but they always end up with a nice one. So Fabrice, um, you know, in a snog marry a void, you'd probably marry Fabrice, wouldn't you? I'd marry Fabrice tomorrow. Yeah, no problem at all. <laughs> it wouldn't, wouldn't be a problem. Um, <laughs> actually, he probably owes, he owes me something. Anyway, I, I gave him so many good marks back <laughs> in his playing days. It's, uh, I used to get the, the proverbial Michael taken out of me for giving him uh, 7 out of 10 every week, but never mind. Okay, so that's... that's if any more proof were needed, that is is why ChatGPT is going to take over the world and will soon be doing this podcast, uh, just with insights such as that. Um, right, we've got some games to predict. It's prediction time. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. We are looking ahead to Cheltenham and Fleetwood the following Tuesday. Two two opponents that I would uh, put in the uh, not the best ones category, to say the least, for Bolton Wanderers. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think the the two we're on this sort of journey this season, and uh, you know where are we going to finish? We're going to finish in the top two. We've got to beat everyone. But I think games like these, we've not won at Cheltenham since the League Two. I think. Oh no, we we won actually. We've got quite a good record at Cheltenham. Yeah, brilliant. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's only last season we didn't win. Um, yeah, so that is uh, you know it's always a tough place to go. I think it'll be interesting to see the team he puts out because I think the the team he played against Lincoln obviously suited our stadium. Yeah, uh, will he? I agree. Will you know? Will he maybe throw in a Magoma or a Mendes Gomez, somebody who can try and create something out of nothing? I think uh, Dapo did well uh, when playing at Cheltenham uh, mm-hmm. the season before last. And then yeah, Fleetwood at home again. It's it's Fleetwood are going to come and say right, break us down. It's it's you're you're at home. We'll take a draw. Break us down. Make they'll make it difficult. So. Uh, yeah, two two big games for Bolton. I think if we can come out of them uh, with positive results, I think then going into that Wigan match, you know, if we're on at the very least seven points, um, I think we'll be, you know, that's something to build on. So, yes, it's I'd love to win both. Um, I think if we do win both, and that is a, a real statement of intent for Bolton Wanderers this season. Um, but if you offered me maybe a draw at Cheltenham and a win at Fleetwood, I'd maybe reluctantly would would take it or at mm. least think about it yeah no, i'd take that i'd take that I, they've got a reasonable record at cheltenham last season was a was a poor performance he's one of if not their poorest they i think they had two didn't they in gloucestershire <laughs> that week yeah. consecutive games um which was a bit awkward for me being a gloucester love myself uh forest green and cheltenham but it's a tight stadium it's likely to be physical how does he change his team? I, I'm kind of looking down the subs list. Probably the most physical option there is is Cameron Jerome, and and he obviously played from the start on Tuesday night, so it'd be a surprise to see him kept in the team for that. Is it a George Thomason type of game where you go in, you say get your foot in, lad, and and, and win us back the ball, and then like you say, maybe introduce a couple of the dribblers as well into it. I don't know. I'd be interested to see what uh, what Ian Everett does with that, but. It is a particular. It, I mean, it's it's chalk and cheese compared to playing at home. So there's obviously this is his chance to show there is this kind of plan B, and that his squad allows him to adapt and 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 change things around a little bit. Um, Fleetwood is slightly different. Of course, Fleetwood are going to come in and, and and park the bus a little bit, 
but it is their home ground. It's on Bol- it's on Bolton to go there, and I can imagine a team very similar to the one that played against Lincoln. So maybe it is a chance for for some of the ones who died off a little bit second half. I think it's fair to say Tuesday night to go and really have a go at, at Cheltenham. Personally, I think they'll edge it against Cheltenham. I think they'll. I'm going to go for two nil against Cheltenham, and. I'm going for a 1-0 against Fleetwood. So I'm, and this is four clean sheets in a row I'm going for here. 2-0 Cheltenham, 1-0 Fleetwood. Let's have a score prediction from you. Um, I'd love that to happen, obviously. I'd love to get clean sheets. I, I don't think either... Well, Baxter or Coleman have not really been tested in either game. So Not one I, actual save on the whole... Th- not one save on any of the statistics, no. <laughs> so I'd, I'd imagine that at least they will... He will have some sort of, uh, you know, Baxter will have a shot to save on Saturday. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't. Uh, I'm going to go, I think we'll get a 2-1 on Saturday. Um, oh, no, I'm going to go 1-0 on Saturday and then we'll win 2-1 against Fleetwood. Mm. I think we'll just edge both games um, and save our, our bag full of goals for the, the game afterwards. Oh, well, let's not let's not get too giddy and too excited there, but... Uh... Uh, let's just let's just say the uh, the the midweek Carabao Cup uh, shocks were were interesting to say the least, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed them. Um, so yes, uh, we're we're sticking with Bolton to stay undefeated this week. And before we wrap up, um, I just thought a bit of culture was in order because um, you know we've had a lot of moaning and groaning this week, and I thought it'd be it'd be nice to 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 reshape some of those comments about the the kit uh, into something that we like to call a found poem. <clears throat> Are those real? Dreadful. Some absolute belters there. Take the hoop off the hoop kit and it'd be a winner. I thought I'd slept until April the 1st when I saw these. The green one's okay. The rest are just meh. Nope, nope, nope. Christ, they're not good at all. It's as bad as the sports bra. The green one is the only acceptable one of the lot, and even then, you'd need Steve Irwin to sort those elephants out. The Bolton fans moaning are the ones who order Cormas. Go back to the drawing board. We play in white. End of. I thank you. Yes, uh, I, I penned that one myself. Very good, very good. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I did see some of the comments on the shirts. Very, they are very funny. We can now park that until uh, May when the kits get announced, and no doubt you're doing a, a part two of that with yeah. the actual responses. And maybe I'll set that to music and just play it back out again. But uh, yes, nothing stirs people quite like uh, the replica shirt. I, I don't get it. I just don't get it. If you if you don't like it, don't buy it. Obviously, but. Uh, then again, I don't need to, so it doesn't matter. Okay, right, let's move on. Um, that is all we have time for this week in the buff. Uh, join us again next Friday, of course, where we'll have what happened against Sheldon, what happened against Fleetwood, and we'll be looking forward to a game that we've been looking forward to for some time. It'll be the Wigan Derby game. And uh, I don't know whether... As we sit here, right here, right now, Henry, are you looking forward to it or are you dreading it? Um... I'm. I, I don't think I could ever uh, fully look forward to it because you know, for for every chance we've got of winning, it'd be great. We've also got a chance of losing. So I'm. Uh, I'm just saying at the moment, let's get through the next two games. If we win them both, and there's not as much pressure on us, is there? We're nine points from nine, and you mm. know. But we'll uh, we'll see next week. We'll see next week indeed. Until that point. We're looking for a new outro. <laughs> we are looking for a new outro. I want some suggestions. Of all the loads of emails that I've got this week, I haven't had one suggestion on how we need to do a sign-off. So, you have been listening to The Buff FM.